Well, last week we, we looked at, at a passage of scripture that uh, we feel is really meaningful for us that's in, in conjunction with the, the word of the Lord over not only our local church, but over the, the movement of Antioch, which is the one family together on mission. The month of January, we, we looked at family specifically. What does it mean to be the covenant family of God? And, and how does that mean something more than what it has before? What did God have in an in, in intention for, the, for his people? What did it look like for them to become a family? And we looked at the covenant nature of walking with God and, and being faithful to, to, the, to the body of Christ. Uh, I thought it was really interesting. If you were here, you'll certainly remember it. Last week of January, uh, we... we we had planned for that to be a very practical kind of a Sunday experience where we're talking about practical things relationally. How do we uh, overcome offense or, or how do we stay free from bitterness? How do we choose forgiveness? How do we communicate effectively where there's really some practical and tangible uh, things that we can, we can really sink our, our teeth into to, to live out and walk out uh, as the family of God? And, uh, and while that Sunday still was practical at one nature, it took a different turn. As Adam uh, shared the, for that message, uh, the word that God kept speaking to him was humility and honor. Humility and honor. And so those aren't not practical. They're just a different, a little bit of a different tack than we had originally talked about taking. And, and he couldn't escape them. And, and again, if you were there uh, on Sunday, there was an incredible response. I, I love the, the culture of response that we have as a church where, uh, the, you know, often on, on Sundays, the, the front will fill up with just people saying, I, I don't want to just sit back. I want to move into the thing that God is speaking I, I want to respond. I want there to be an activation in my heart. I want to receive prayer. I, I need prayer, and I, I, I'm not ashamed of that, or whatever it is. I, I love it. I love the response culture. And that particular week, I think uh, specifically to the, uh, the call to be a, a people of humility, there was a great outpouring of response. So there was like up, up the aisles kind of response that, that week. And, and I, I got so encouraged I was so excited just thinking about um, what God can do with the people that humble themselves in that way. What he can't do, right? What, what can he not do with a people who will humble themselves and say, God, we long to, to, to have... Um, to, to walk out uh, in your will, not our will. We, we lay down our pride. We, we, we surrender our, our rights or the things that we thought we, were, we had that was a right for us. And we say, God, we, don't, we lay those down. We want what you want. Our, our desire is that you are glorified and that, that we, we, would be, we would humble ourselves in that way. And so there was just a great expression of, of humility that got me really excited because the month of February, we're talking about, okay, what does it then look like to live missionally? And to live missionally, there's a great deal of humility that is often needed. It, it, it's not your way, it's his way. 
It's not the, the narrow road that you would choose, but it's the narrow way that he would lead you on. And you trust him. You trust his leadership. You, you lay down your desires and you say, I want your desires. And so it was really like this, this week of priming us to receive the missional calling of God. And we particularly, as I mentioned, looked at 2 Timothy 2. And I, I want to reread a, a portion of that scripture for us this morning, verses 3 and 4. 2 Timothy 2, verses 3 and 4, where Paul is writing a letter to a, a, a guy that he was discipling, mentoring, that he was raising up like a son in the Lord to Timothy. And he says this to him, join me in suffering like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No one serving as a soldier gets entangled in civilian affairs, but rather tries to please his commanding officer. And we, we looked last week at the, the calling to make disciples. We, uh, we introduced this, this language of, of being a, a soldier of Christ Jesus, not getting entangled in civilian affairs, but, but living for uh, the, the pleasure of the king, of the commanding officer. And uh, there, there was something for us there that, that God was, was beginning to, to stir up about what, what, are we, what are we living for. In fact, uh, I, I don't know what you guys got out of it, but I was encouraged because as I was cleaning up this last week around our house, I found uh, one of my daughters and her, her journal was open. And, and what I saw on the page is open. It was kind of a decorated page with just these words. I want to live for the pleasure of the king. I'm like, all right, somebody got it. And that... <laughs> That, that, I'm like, and, and that's a good one for me. That, that, that's all, even if none of you jokers got it, my daughter got it, you know, like, <laughs> whew, here we go. So I was, I was encouraged. Uh, I want to live for the pleasure of the king. And, um, and, and that, that really, so, so for us, what, what, that what was happening was setting the missional tone was, was less about, you know, because we've got the, the analogy of the soldier where there's, okay, there's a certain level of marching orders, but really there's a pleasure for just living for him, for the one who enlisted me, for the king. Like that's, I, I live for, for his glory. And, uh, and I had shared with you how on a, a time that we had set aside in the late fall, uh, looking ahead to this year and just seeking the Lord and praying and asking God what he had for us as a church, this, this verse was highlighted. And that's why we're going we're gonna to be using it over the next several weeks as kind of a, as a springboard into, into uh, 2 Corinthians 6, which is uh, we're going to do a study out of 2 Corinthians 6 over these next several weeks. And, uh, and, and 2 Timothy is really a, a springboard into that. And, uh, and it was a word that had just gripped us. What does it look like to be a soldier of Christ Jesus that does not get entangled in civilian affairs? And, and that phraseology, we're going to be hitting it hard, it, not, not as much this week, but the next two weeks. And in fact, if I can do this, and I don't, think I, I don't feel like I do this too often, but if you can be here the next two weeks, I would like for you to be here. I, I feel like these, ne the, the, these next two weeks are, are going to be really crucial. And if you can't be here, you can find the, the, it online somewhere, right? We have it online somewhere, YouTube or something. Uh, you can find it somewhere online and are on our website. Uh, but, but I think it's going to be crucial for us as we, as we really come to understand how God is wanting to lead us through this year. 
And, and uh, this is not a, a fear-based statement, but I think it's based in, in, in reality that, that this year, particularly as we move closer and closer to the election, uh, could be a trying year. It, it, it could be a trying year for our nation if it has anything like the, the latter part of 2020 uh, had uh, where the, the, the contention and the, the division and the, uh, and the slander and the ungodliness and the, all, all of these things just kind of bubbling up to the surface. And, and I think the, the word of the Lord for us is what does it look like for us as a church, as the people of God, as the family of God? to navigate that in such a way to where we are not entangled in, in civilian affairs or the affairs of this world, but we are living every day for the pleasure of the commanding officer, trying to please the commanding officer. And what does it look like for us to begin preparing now as, the, as, the, as our season, I think, is going to escalate in intensity and, and I'm not so sure how uh, well we did as the, the overall church in not getting entangled in civilian affairs back in 2020. I, I, and to say, okay, how can we learn from that uh, as we move forward? And, and, and what does it look like for us? What, what does it look like in, in terms of our heart attitudes, our expectations, and keeping our eyes fixed on things above and not on earthly things? And I think there's some instruction from the word of God uh, that would cause us to, to respond in, in preparation to, to walk well in this season, to be a, a light in darkness, to be a, a refuge in the midst of the storm. And, and so we, we want to learn how to walk in that way. In another way, we, we've been thinking about it because of Second Corinthians, I mean, because of Second Timothy 2 is in this kind of military analogy of, of war. And we know that there is spiritual war going on, not just 2024, not just 2020, or any, it, that we're in a spiritual battle. The Bible makes that very clear, that that, that, is, that is going on around us and that we don't want to be unaware of the schemes of the enemy and that there is a spiritual battle going on around us. And, and so with the, the language of 2 Timothy, uh, it feels as though God is just uh, wanting us to understand that at, at a greater measure of what's going on around us, not just with what we see with our own eyes, but helping us to see with spiritual eyes. And, um, and one of the things that on, on that same retreat that we had to say, God, what are you doing? Where are you leading us in, in term, time of seeking the Lord? Uh, there was a, a vision that he gave as well, just kind of this picture of going into battle and, and a, a picture of taking the, taking the hill, of coming up out of, out of the foxhole and taking new ground or territory or the next citadel. And, and it was the people of God uh, with Jesus at the helm. He was in the lead, and, and uh, the, the noise that you heard around was not the typical noise uh, or what you might think of, of warfare, but it was actually encouragement. It was, come on, we've got this. Let's move forward. There was, there was encouragement. There was rallying of, uh, from, from person to person uh, to, to, to advance and to go forward, to follow, uh, to follow the king who is in the lead. Uh, it made me think of there was kind of this joy in the battle. There's this assuredness of victory. It, it made me think of the Old Testament passage of Scripture where, the, where God would go before the people of Israel and he would win the battle. The victory would be at, at, hand, at hand and they would just come, they would come in behind God. And because of that, he received all the glory. 
He received all the praise. It, it, was, it was supernatural. It was evident that God was there and he, was, he, he had done it. And, and so much was the same in this, in this picture that, uh, that the day after day, there was victory after victory and the, there was joy that swept through the camp every night. Uh, the, in the foxhole would be set up this long banquet table. And, and, uh, and all the troops would gather around with Jesus at the center of the table. And, the, uh, and there, was, there was rejoicing and there was feasting. And uh, the word of God to the troops was, don't, don't worry yourself with the, the spoils of war. Don't try to pick up the things that you could pick up. Our only spoils are the people or the captives that are being set free. And there was more people added to the table every night, those who were captives being set free. And so it was this joyful walking with Jesus in, in a battle. And, and so this, this picture felt significant for us, that there is a battle uh, that is at hand, that there is spiritual warfare that is happening and, uh, there, in different ways. Uh, different ones in this room would sense that and acknowledge that. And so we want to be a people who not only acknowledges it, who understands that there is a spiritual battle going on around us, but that we get behind Jesus and that there will be a, a joy that we walk with, an assuredness of victory, assuredness that he is going to lead us where we need to go uh, that, would, that would impact how we see life, it would impact our attitudes. It would impact our demeanors, the way we interact with, uh, with each other and the world around us. And so there, there is something that God is leading us into to understand that we might be uh, the people of God that shine brightly in the world around us for his glory. Not losing sight that he created mankind in his image that he created mankind for relationship with him, that there is not wholeness, that there is not completeness without the knowing of him. And that there will be a longing that rises up in our hearts for people that are lost and broken and deceived to come to know him, to find wholeness, to find restoration in their own lives and their own souls. And so that is the, that is the army of God going forth. And and so as we dive into 2 Corinthians 6, probably each of these weeks we'll start in 2 Timothy 2 and reading that passage about being a, a soldier of Christ Jesus that doesn't get entangled in civilian affairs, but is, is trying to please the commanding officer and allow that to be a springboard into 2 Corinthians 6. We don't have much time today, which is why I really want you to be here the next two weeks, but I do want to set us up by, by working through the first two verses of 2 Corinthians 6. We're just going to hit two verses today, and, um, and, and what I want us to understand is, is the calling that we have. Let's, let's read it together. 2 Corinthians 6, just verses 1 and 2, says this, and working together with him, we also urge you not to receive the grace of God in vain. For he says, at the acceptable time I listened to you, and on the day of salvation I helped you. Behold, now is the acceptable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. What I want us to understand is that the missional calling of God is for every believer 
in Jesus. Every follower of Jesus has, has the missional call of God. It, it is not a, an add-on. It is not an accessory. It is not an optional kind of addition that you can put on the the Christian life. It it is inherent in what it means to follow Jesus because it is the way that Jesus walked. Okay, so you cannot follow him without walking in the direction that he walks. Okay, and and we know that this is the direction that he walks. We see it in, in the life that he lived. He lived out the the missional calling of God. And I'm not just talking about throwing some evangelism slots on your calendar, okay? I'm talking about a lifestyle of following Jesus and thinking missionally and understanding uh, what that means and, and how that is to impact and affect every day that you live, okay? So not to overwhelm us with that thought, but it ought to affect every day that we live, that we would be aware of the missional calling of God on our lives. The way that Paul says it here um, is we're, we're working together with him. So in, in working together with him, it, we understand that it is his work and that it is a work that he is about, but we are with him in that work. We are co-workers with Jesus. He's a co-worker, Okay. And he's a good one. And he's one that, but we want to acknowledge that, that we, we are co-laboring with him every day, that he is at work. He is at work in the lives of the people that you, that you go past, that you work with, that you go to school with, that are in your neighborhood. He is working in their lives. He is pursuing them. He is a God of love. He longs for restoration and redemption and reconciliation in their lives. He is working and he's looking for co-workers. So he's saying, who's gonna work with me? Like, I'm working here. I need co-workers. And he could do it all himself, but he's chosen it this way in part because there's there's pleasure, there's purpose for us in it. We were made to to be co-laborers with God. We were made for that. We come alive in that. I've seen person after person come alive in something that they used to be so fearful of, of co-working with God in people's lives, but then they enter into it and it's like, oh my gosh, this is what I was made for. This is incredible. And God is looking for people to, to be co-workers with him. And so really, 2 Corinthians 6, obviously, is building on 2 Corinthians 5. It's a letter, and it's just it's going on. And I want to read just a, a bit out of 2 Corinthians 5, because it, it speaks to uh, the, the co-working a little bit. Verse 18, all this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them, And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. So you have a couple of uh, very clear statements here around what it is that we're called to as believers in in the way of living missionally. The the first one I want to mention is the, the, uh, the term ambassador. What, what a great analogy for us to understand what it means uh, in 2 Corinthians 6.1, working together with him. 
And an ambassador is, is a great picture for us of that because an ambassador goes to, to a, a different location on the authority of the king or of the nation. An ambassador that is sent out by the U.S. does not have authority in and of themselves, but they, they have authority because they come to represent the, the United States government, the, the nation of the United States. In, in a monarchy, it would be the king. They're there to represent the nation and the king of that nation. And so their authority is bound up in the king. And their, their, uh, their plans, their, uh, their agenda is, is solely the agenda of the king. Their agenda doesn't go beyond the king. It doesn't fall short of the king's agenda. Uh, it is in line with the agenda of the king. And so we are ambassadors in that way. And so we carry the heart of God. We, we understand the mission of God so that we might be uh, appropriate ambassadors. The second thing that, that we're told is that we are, we are ministers of reconciliation, that we've been given the ministry of reconciliation. We're not gonna go into it today, but in, in verse three of 2 Corinthians 6, it's gonna talk about that again, the ministry that you've been given. So, so here, here's where we need to begin. We, we first have, before we learn about what it looks like to walk this thing out, we need to acknowledge, we need to all acknowledge that we have been given a ministry. Not just I've been given a ministry because I'm a pastor, not, not just Will and Hannah. I mean, even think about them. Okay, they're missionaries, right? And it's like, wow, they're missionaries. They're going to the other side of the world. But they actually besides selling everything they have, saying goodbye to their family and learning a new language and moving into someplace they've never been, they're just like us, okay? Uh, in that, they've got to go there and live missionally. Like, like, and one thing that makes it a little easier is all of those other things. Like, hey, why did we do all that if we're not gonna live missionally? Right? For us, we can get caught up in all of those other things and, and oh, I gotta do this for family and oh, my job this and that, but, and forget that it's all missional, but, but, but it's the same thing. They, they're gonna have to go there and now they're moving to a new place or they're gonna have to meet their neighbors. They're gonna have to talk to a grocery store clerk. They're gonna have to start interacting with people and living missionally. It's just that God has placed them somewhere else. You know, they're not on Dunbar Street, they're on Dubalada Street or whatever, you know? They're like, so, so it's just a different street, right? But they still have to find how they can become coworkers with God. God, where are you working and how can I step into that? And, and so that's why we've got the map up there and it's beginning to fill up with, and, and so if you didn't, if you weren't here last week, we've got our life group wall is turned into missional wall. And, and what it is, is we've got circles and I want you to place your circle of where you live up there, where you work or where you go to school. There's three different color little dots that you're gonna stick on that wall. And, and the purpose is that I felt like God wanted to show us, like if we'll all begin living missionally, look how it begins to fill up the entire East Valley. Look, look at how it begins to expand because of who, who you're working with and where you go to school, where you live. And we're just gonna begin to see that picture take place and, and recognize that, man, if we can all just take ownership of living missionally, following Jesus and how he lived, then we'll start to see great impact in our city. And we're just one church, right? And, and so uh, we're, we're wanting to see that visually displayed, but we first have to understand that and own the fact that we've been given a ministry. Not just Will and Hannah, 
not just me or somebody on staff at a church, but that we each have been given a, a ministry. And, and we need to begin to understand what that is. And, and what that is, is that we're ministers of reconciliation. We're, we're imploring people to be reconciled to God. That God is, God is redeeming, he is rescuing, he's a restorative God. And so we're, we're living that out um, in, in the world around us, understanding that we have been given a ministry and that we, that we, take, that, that we take that seriously. And, and, and that's not in juxtaposition to living a, a sinful life. I, I say it is in juxtaposition to that, but it's not only in juxtaposition to that. What, what I mean by that is this. I was thinking of a time when I was in college and, um, and so my first two years of college, uh, I loved, uh, I came from a small farming community. And so when I moved to Waco, Texas to go to Baylor University, all the kids from Dallas and Houston and wherever were like, man, this is a podunk town. And I'm like, oh my gosh, city lights. Like there are so many things to do. There's more than one sit down restaurant that I can go and, and eat at. Like, this is amazing. Uh, and, and so I'm loving life. I mean, friends and things to do. I was one of those guys that was like, I had something to do every single night, you know, some club, some organization, something we're doing like, and I was, I was eating it up and, uh, and I loved the social uh, uh, element of it. And, and then it came to junior year and I, and I realized I, I kind of just, it was, it was like a wake up call or something where I was like, what am I, what am I doing? What am I really living for? And it was nothing bad. I mean, a lot of it was like ministry stuff, this and that, and this church, I love my church, da, da, da. Like, and, and, but it was like, wh- what am I doing? I had a lot of kind of shallow relationships and I, God began to convict me about how I took a lot of security and pride and like being known by a lot of people and all these kinds of things. And it was like, what am I doing? And, and so it was this, this whole first semester of my junior year, I was just like, Man, I, I started saying I'm not. I started not going to this and that. It was like I don't. I, what am I supposed to be doing? I ended up going to Colorado State University the second semester of my of my junior year. It was like this God calling me to this missional thing. It was actually something that Louis Giglio said at a passion. He's been doing that for a long time. Um, uh, and he was like, maybe some of you are called to be missionaries on another campus, kind of thing. And I, and I, that word came back up to me. So I ended up going to Colorado State, and it it was different. Where, where I just kind of took off all the, you know, all the Christian friends and the Christian organization, this and that, like, which were just stuff that I was doing, and I had to live missionally. I just moved into a dorm, and it was like, okay, now I'm thinking missionally. I, I, I'm having to think missionally and what it looks like every day to impact those around me and not just, and, and again, so it's not just in juxtaposition to sinful living, it, it's in juxtaposition also to comfortable uh, living, where it's just like, oh, I kind of get in my routine and I do my thing and, and I, I do the church things uh, when, when, they, when they come up, but how do I live it out every day, okay? So, so there's, just a, there's, there's a ministry that God's given you. And, and uh, let me just finish with this. In the second part of verse one there, it says, don't receive the grace of God in vain. If you'll remember last week, that's the way that Paul began that second, um, second chapter of Second Timothy um, be strong in the grace of God. And here he says it this way, make sure that you don't receive the grace of God in vain. And that's a, a little more convicting way uh, for Paul to, to put this, this call of missional living. 
we see him having already used that word in, a, in his first letter to the Corinthians in, in 1 Corinthians 15.10. And I want to read that to us uh, to give us a little more understanding of what he was talking about. He said there, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace towards me was not in vain. But I labored more abundantly than they all. Yet not I, but the grace of God, which was with me. So, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. He was talking about his sinful past and how he persecuted the church, and yet God has restored him. I am what I am because of what God's done. I've become what I've become. And his grace towards me was not in vain, but I labored uh, more abundantly than all of you. And so there's something about, again, the grace of God that we received unto salvation, where we receive something that we did not deserve. And then there's a grace of God that continues. It doesn't end there, but it continues to empower us to be who we're called to be, to live in the way that we're called to live. And that is the grace that Paul is talking about, that the grace of God would not have labored and that, that would have not um, come to us in vain, but that we acted on it. We allowed it to empower the way that we lived. And so Paul said, it didn't, it wasn't in vain in me for I gave myself to it. I, I, I labored more abundantly than, than anyone else, and yet not I, but the grace of God within me. So he's saying it wasn't a striving, it wasn't I have to do this, it wasn't I'm trying to earn God's approval anymore. That's what he lived his whole, the whole unsaved life, pre-Jesus life trying to do. This was, a, it was the grace of God at work within me, but it proved itself not to be in vain because of the missional calling that I, that I lived out. That there was, there was an impact that it had on me that wasn't just for me, but it was for those around me. And so he received his ministry, thus the grace of God not being in vain. And so we want to receive that encouragement. Don't, let the, don't receive the grace of God in vain. Be strong in grace. Yesterday's grace is inadequate for what God is giving you to do today. You need to be strong in his grace today to live out the missional calling that he has for you today. And this, this, this passage, uh, verse two, ends with a sense of urgency. Behold, now is the acceptable time. Now is the time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. And, and so there, there's... There's something in this passage that we're going to be diving into over these next several weeks that, that possesses an urgency, that now is the time, that we, we, we wouldn't sit back any longer, that we would not just go through the, the motions of our life, that we would not go through what's comfortable, what's routine, but that there would be a new awareness of the missional calling. When I went to CSU, it, there was a, a fresh awareness of the, the everyday missional calling of God. It's a new setting, a new place, a new environment, a new atmosphere, and all of those things. But it was also just what, something that God was, was revealing in me, that there's a, there's a greater calling um, in, in your life to the, to the world around you. And I believe that's what God is wanting to make more evident than ever before for each and every one of us. So God, we just want to receive that today. We want to receive the calling that you have for each and every one of us. I think some, some of us today need to even wrestle with that word a little bit about a, a, a ministry. God's given me a ministry. What, is that, what does that 
look like for you? How can you own that? What does it look like for you to be a coworker, to say, God, where are you working? And how can I join in? Lord, would you lead us in that? Would we be a people that, uh, that follow you everywhere that you go? We love you, Lord. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to invite you to stand with me. As always, we're going to, in just a moment, have some ministry team members up here. If you need prayer for anything, we'd love to pray for you. And I, and I mean that. We believe that God answers prayer. We believe that as the church, we're to carry one another's burdens. And so we'd love to pray for you if you have any need. We'd love to, to talk with you if you have a desire to know God and you'd like to know his love. You'd, you'd, you'd like to, to know who Jesus is or how to have relationship with him. I want you to know that his arms are open wide to you today. And I'll repeat that sentiment that we just read, that today is the day of salvation. That there is nothing today keeping you from knowing his love. And we'd love to talk with you and to pray with you in regards to that. And finally, when you came in today, you, you, uh, hopefully you grabbed a communion element. And um, if you're a follower of Jesus, um, I want to invite you here in, just in, in our time of response in just a little bit to, to take communion. And, um, and I say if you're a follower of Jesus, because as the Bible talks about the, the elements of communion, it's Jesus saying, this is, this is my blood that's poured out for you. And the bread being his body that was broken. And, and he, he shares with the church and his followers, hey, I want you to, to, to take this cup and to eat this bread in remembrance of me. It was a way for the church to identify with Jesus. To say, I'm, I'm a follower of his. I'm one that has received grace uh, because of what he did at the cross. And so that's why we say this is, this is for, for those who are followers of Jesus to identify with him. To say, I, I am his. And he is mine. And so as we have this time of response, uh, part of the response today is just for, for you to take communion um, when, when you're ready. It's not going to be something as we usually do it all together, but really to just say, God, I, I, wanna, I want to follow you. And I, I want this to be a picture for us today of the ministry of reconciliation. This ministry of reconciliation where God is no longer counting men's sins against them. The way that he's able to do that is because of this. It's because of the blood of Jesus that was shed and his body that was given up for us. And so this is a picture for us today of the ministry of reconciliation that he's called each and every one of us to. And so before you take it as a place of response today, I want you to just engage with God as you hold this in your hand and say, God, what does my ministry of reconciliation look like? How are you wanting me to, to further be a coworker of yours in light of what you've done? and what this world needs. And when you're ready, and when you've had that little dialogue with God, I just wanna invite you to, to take the, the communion elements uh, before the Lord. But whatever it looks like, whether you need to come down here in the front and just get on your knees, and you can do that. If you wanna take communion down here in the front, you can do it. If you just need to come and say, God, I, I'm, I wanna receive the ministry that you've given me. I wanna step into it. Then you can respond in that way. But let's not any of us leave 
uh, without responding to God. Uh, and our ministry team will be coming up here to the front if you need prayer. Um, but let's just respond to him as he leads us.